Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio. This is Dr. Ned Hoke today, joined by uh, Dr. Douglas Kratt. He's the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. Uh, welcome, Dr. Kratt. Thank you for having me. As I told you, Dr. Kratt, I'm going to read just this brief paragraph, which will kind of get us into this topic. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, delivered a special videotaped uh, briefing and update on COVID-19 at the American Vet Veteran Veterinarian Medical Association's first ever virtual annual uh, convention, August 20th to 22nd. Speaking to thousands of veterinarians, Dr. Fauci explained how approximately three quarters of all emerging infectious diseases in human health have their origins in animals. The zoonotic, these zoonotic diseases, including SARS, H1N1 flu, and more recently COVID-19. So, uh, Dr. Uh, please tell us about Dr. Fauci's visit with you and kind of give us some of the highlights of what he had to say. It was, it was obviously, it was a, uh, quite an honor to have Dr. Fauci uh, address the veterinarians at our annual, well, our first virtual convention. Um, he, he really stressed the importance of one health, and one health is that confluence of human health, animal health, and environmental health. And he um, talked about the importance of that, which, which we know, they, they are so closely linked, right, that um, animals have an effect on human health. They also have an effect on the environment, but um, vice versa is that um, humans have very much an effect on animal health themselves and the environment also how we treat the environment will have a uh, an effect on our food supply and and everybody that utilizes that he was very um thankful for the support that veterinarians did in the initial portions of the outbreak and still are some of our diagnostic labs are very much doing um quite a bit of the testing for the covid uh, samples that are being taken from the human side. We're obviously still monitoring food supplies and then working on addressing the very minor um, uh, cases of animals that may or may not have been infected with COVID during this outbreak. Mm -hmm. So the term One Health is spoken of, and you said it a couple of times in what you just said. So give our listeners a little deeper taste of what that what one health really means to you well again you know we're, we're not in our own silos right so we we, we talk about zoonotic disease um, right. which i think is just one one portion of it right? right so with zoonotic disease is i guess one that a lot of people hear is rabies rabies is a zoonotic disease right where animals can transfer that, that to 
to the human population. Um, but influenza would be another one. And so we know that we have that interface, right, with animals and with people and how they can affect each other. Well, it's no different than our environment. If our environment's not happy, if we have a, um, a water source, say, um, with potentially agriculture, they need a fresh water source to be able to give their animals proper, um, uh, proper drinkable water so that they can survive, because that's one of the most key aspects. And on the same point, if it's polluted either with agricultural or with products that um, humans are getting rid of, that that can make it back into the food supply in a way that we didn't didn't expect. So it's this fine balance, but it's also an appreciation in trying to work synergistically together. So from my aspect as a veterinarian, working with my human counterparts um, with pets, because I'm a small animal practitioner, with the pets, do I have a person in the household that may be immunocompromised? And if so, what special situations need to be taken care of? Sometimes I'll get calls from my human counterparts saying, hey, you know, we had this type of an exposure. What do you think the possibilities, the probabilities are? How would you handle these type of situations? And I can bring it from an animal, from the animal um, medical side of things. Mm -hmm. But with all of that, looking at it, um, our impact on the environment as well. Well, those of us who've had pets or who, who still have pets, we certainly uh, are aware of the of the, the the connection, which is which has not really been as as fully expressed and fully opened up as as you are likely doing here. But the other thing that you're talking about too is you're talking about the the role of vet veterinarians in terms of preventing the next pandemic. So that conceivably would really get everybody's attention. So. Can you put some uh, flesh on those bones a little bit? How how do you see the the vet veterinarians uh, having a substantial role in that exact area? Well, if as Dr. Fochi said, you know, seventy five percent of the emerging diseases are zoonotic diseases, so that can mean that they're coming either through our pet population or there's that interface where possibly they're showing up there. Well, it would be important that we are sitting there uh, monitoring. Um, outbreaks, how they're affecting the pets. Is this a new and novel disease that we haven't seen before? If it is, um, being able to go down those paths to help diagnose it, get the proper proper samples, try to determine with our diagnostic labs and, and our state health agencies um, what effect it would have on the humans, but um, monitoring as well, right? So potential disease outbreak and things like that. I think those would all be aspects that veterinarians would play a a very key role in it. Um, we may pick it up as only affecting our pets or, or our livestock, but then being able to um, address it on a, on a grander scale, probably as much with the monitoring aspect of things as anything. Plus, a lot of the veterinary schools and higher education does a lot of, uh, does a lot of health research. Mm -hmm. and, and, and interestingly enough, at least my experience of nutritional therapy that's, which has been one of the areas that I've been that I've worked in over the years, is that some of my teachers began their nutritional education in the 1930s with animal husbandry, and, and it turns out that animal I don't know probably you know this better than I do, but animal husbandry apparently was one of the one of the places where nutritional science really got a, a lot of its legs because what what they did with what they discovered with the, with the animal husbandry area. So this is this. This uh, human human benefit from animal uh, uh, 
medical work is, is, is an old process. It's something that's not, it's not something brand new, but this business of the possible connection to the pandemic issue, of course, really does get everybody's attention. So, um, you also at your at your conference you you had a, a, a fairly I gather a substantial discovery and explication of the the, the work of cannabis in terms of today's uh, today's environment and of course as probably you know can, uh, California is a, a major cannabis uh, growing and, and product producing area and and pets and other uh, companion animals are now commonly coming in contact with cannabis. Please describe uh, for our audience your opinions of the medical benefits or other consequences of this. I think you're 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 talking about cannabis um, is really emerging within the veterinary field. Obviously, it's been out there um, on the human side. It's becoming um, used in both medical and recreational use across the United States. Numerous states have it. Well, with that, um, we have animals that have more exposure to it. And we can talk about the THC component. We can talk about the, the CBD component. We're still on such the infancy side of things that we're in the research stages because we're scientists and, and, and at our core, and so we, we would like scientific data to go with it. I think, personally, I think that there will be benefits of CBD and potentially THC. Um, it's, it's a matter of determining what strains are more effective, what do they work on? Um, but then also the potential side effects, right? So if you're on other medications, are there drug interactions that may be advantageous that can work synergistically, or are there drug interactions that they may cancel each other out? Or is there a disease process, kidney disease or heart disease, that may be contraindicated to use it um, as well? So I think it's those, it's that confluence that we have to pay attention to. And luckily, now we have some... Um, areas where that research is being done. On the negative side of things, because it's becoming more readily available, we are seeing more toxicities. So pets are much more sensitive to it than humans are. And um, there's been something like a five to 700% increase in toxic exposures in the last two years with, um, with marijuana, with cannabis. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's no antidote. I still recommend people seek a veterinarian. We can do supportive care. Um, the supportive care may be monitoring blood pressures um, and, and supplementing blood pressures or trying to keep them regulated with either medication or uh, fluid therapy, um, also with that temperature control. It is fairly short-lived, but it can um, it, there could be support there, and it can potentially lead to death. That's very rare, but it can. So I try to tell people with cannabis exposure, you know, we have these edibles out there now, um, and I, I have dogs, and I have no doubt that if my dog saw a cookie on the counter, that my dog would eat that cookie. You bet. Whether it's regular or not, right? Right. It's regular or, 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 or a, a cannabis edible. And with that, I try to also remind people, you know, we could have artificial sweeteners in there. We could have chocolate in there. We could have other things that we know aren't good for our pets as well. So I just tell people to make sure that they monitor them, keep them out of, um, keep them out of the way of their pets um, and be prepared for that. Um, with that and then readily being available when you're out on your walks and things, as always, I get concerned, will my dog get into something that I don't want it to get into? That, that That's not any more um, problematic than any other one. It's just, just being prepared with what your pets could potentially get into because we want to keep them safe and healthy. Right. Well, 
what I noticed on your website at uh, AVM, what is it? Uh, AVMA.org. AVMA.org. There's a, there's a, actually, there's a, a, a bunch of information about cannabis, and uh, there's actually, the, I think it was called a 360-degree discussion of cannabis. So for our listeners who may want to follow up, uh, there's quite a lot of information at your website. In fact, you might even take a moment for our listeners' benefit and, and describe some of the things they might find at the, at the website that would be of possible interest to, to our general public. Well, you know, when you're talking about this right now, um, at this convention, our virtual convention, we had a whole track dedicated to cannabis um, so the veterinarians can learn the latest research um, potentially the benefits of, of how it's using how it's being used and and everything associated with that so I think that's that what you were what we were seeing on the website was what the potential uses are for it, what some of the signs are if there's a um, of an exposure to it that you weren't prepared for um, those are the type of the things that are on our website but as, as much of that as trying to keep our veterinarians up to date, on the information, because I know I'm in Wisconsin and it's not legal here, right. but I get I get questions, boy, almost daily um, on on animals that are using CBD um, to a lesser extent, um, full blown cannabis, but I'm definitely getting getting it well, regularly. This, well, exactly. Well, the CBD thing has has really captured a lot of people's attention, and so. Let's stay with that for just a minute. Um, and you can go online, as I'm sure you know, you can go online and you can uh, read about uh, CBD and you can read about the different uh, diagnostic parameters that supposedly it's appropriate for. In it, uh, now, if you have a limitation in terms of your state law, you're, you're in no position to, to provide any kind of guidance uh, that, or legal, I, I didn't mean to say guidance, but um, you, you can't create a, a prescription for it. But... Do you it, it, do you suggest that people not try some of these CD, CBD products, or do you have any more more uh, in depth opinion about with the, you say you it's a, you're encountering it commonly? So what are you telling people? So with it, so it varies across each state on on what amount of discussion can happen. So in Wisconsin, I can't prescribe it, and all and all and in all honesty, there's only one um, approved FDA drug for cannabis at this juncture and, and what it's used for. Okay. Um, but some state boards won't even allow you to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're starting to explore, we're, we're starting to get state boards to allow us to discuss it more, educate ourselves and then discuss it more because at times people think cannabis is going to cure everything. <laughs> if your dog has a yes. limp, if your cat's anxious, right. if, you know, any number of things. So I think it's responsible use and, and understanding that. The bigger concerns I have right now with, I think you hit CBD, is available really on almost every street corner at this juncture <laughs> exactly. in a lot of areas. Yes. And it's not being regulated at this juncture for purity, for what it contains. Does it? Sometimes it's a lot stronger than what's in the container. Sometimes it's a lot less. So I think that's one area that needs to be uh, addressed at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but that's only one portion. I, I don't want this to be... Um, I don't want to scare people from it. I think good conversations, finding um, medical staff that is well-trained in it, and finding um, reputable product is really important. So if you're getting it from your um, video store, is that is as <laughs> right. reputable a product as if you're getting it from the, from a pharmacy. And, and, right. and, and obviously in California, you have a lot of other um, exposure that I don't in Wisconsin. Of course, of course. 
Well, uh, Dr. Kratt, it's been a real pleasure to have you on Health Matters Radio. You've given our, our listeners a chance to to uh, di- dive in with you a little bit into this, these important topics. We sure do take, thank you for taking a moment for us. Thank you very much. Okay. Good day to you, sir.